Come on, let's make a little bit of noise for Jesus right now in this place. Come on. You can do better than that. That's wonderful. Okay, you guys can grab your seats. And uh, it is true, uh, on my business card, uh, it says Gospel Ninja. Uh, it means that I uh, get to travel this blue rock that God made, and I get to talk about uh, Jesus for a living. And uh, is, it, is it cool if I jump straight into this? Because I'm just, I'm just, I'm feeling it right now. And as someone who travels the world, I get to see many things. Uh, my eyes are small, but they're surprisingly strong. And as I observe, you shouldn't have laughed, that was kind of racist. But <laughs> as I travel around, I want to let you know that God is up to good stuff all over the world. God is, good, God is doing amazing things through Asia. God's doing incredible things in Europe. God is doing amazing things in Africa. God is doing amazing stuff all, the, all around my nation of Australia. But I want to let you know what's happening here tonight. What's happening here at Riot is something especially special. God is up to something. I just believe with all of my heart that he's going to start something in this room that's going to literally reverberate around the world. You've got to understand that you're doing more than gathering together to sing a couple of fast songs and a couple of slow songs, sit through a priestly pep talk, get a pat on the back, and then head back to your normal lives. No, you have been brought into this place by the will of God, by the grace of God, by the power of God, because the God of this universe has a plan for your life. He sees you, He knows you, He loves you, and He calls you to a higher purpose. You weren't destined to be shaped by the darkness. You weren't destined to be molded by your surroundings. No, you were destined to shine light, to show the love of Jesus, and to share the life that can set someone free. I want to let you know I was standing in the corner before, and I was watching you praise and worship God in song. Kind of like a, like a creepy old guy in the corner of this room. Kind of watching, ah, I'm watching you in the corner. And as you were worshiping God, I, there, there was a moment during the praising and worshiping of God in song where, where you were declaring that you wanted to be led by Jesus and to, and to go towards Him and how you would forever pursue Him. And I couldn't help but think to myself, my goodness, what would happen if a young generation of, of riot young people could only declare that with their lips on a Wednesday night, but, to, but live that out with their lives every night of the week? What would happen if we could take it from a well-crafted lyric to become actually the soundtrack of our lives? Yo, Jesus, we with you. We're staying with you. Come hell. Come high water. Come the fire. Come the flood. I'm coming after Jesus. I couldn't help but think to myself as I stood to the side watching you sing to Jesus, what could happen? If a group of young people could go beyond just singing those words with their lips, but actually live it out with their lives, what light we would shine, what love we would show, what life we would share if we truly followed Jesus. Wherever He led, wherever He calls, Whatever door or window or trap door he cracks open, if we would run through it or crawl through it or burst through it, what difference would we make? 
How many of your friends would come to know Jesus in a personal way? How many lost would be found? How many hurting would be healed? How many broken would be mended? How many prodigals would return? What would happen here in the city of Jacksonville and beyond if a group of young people, real deal, followed Jesus? After the lights were turned on, after the smoke cleared away, after the, 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 the band packed up, what would happen if a group of radical, young, crazy Jacksonvillians really followed Jesus? And because I was asking that question in the corner, I thought it'd be, you know, incumbent upon me to try to unpackage the answer to that question. What would it really look like to be someone who followed Jesus to wherever he would lead, no matter how dark, no matter how confronting, no matter how scary, no matter how fear-filled, what would really happen if we followed Jesus into those places and shined light and showed the love and shared the life that only Jesus can shine, show, and share? What would happen? You might just change the world. So tonight for a few moments, I want to talk about following Jesus. Right up front, I want to give you a warning. This could possibly be the worst message you've ever heard. The most confronting, in your face, annoying, inconvenient, annoy you, want to fight the big Chinese kid with the massive arms kind of message you're ever going to hear. But I got a feeling in my heart there are some young people here in Jacksonville, Florida come on, who are a part of Celebration Church, who are sick and tired of being in a generation who enjoys having their ears tickled and their backs rubbed, but they want to hear the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, even if it kind of is raw. I get a feeling there are some young people here tonight who are sick and tired of singing about revival. They want to be a part of revival. They're sick and tired of being stirred about seeing their school change. They actually want to be a part of a change school. I get a feeling in my heart there are some people here tonight who want to see their friends and their family, family members who are far away from Jesus come to know Jesus. And they're sick and tired of seeing them running in the other direction. They want to be a part of a radical movement that actually runs after them. Come on, outlasts them and brings them home. I get a feeling there are some young people here tonight who want to get real. Is that cool? Because I feel that. So tonight I'm going to preach like a really simple but annoying message, and in about 28 minutes' time, we're going to land on one of the most awkward altar calls you've ever seen in your entire life, and then after that, we're all going to hang out, and I'm going to make a whole bunch of new friends from Florida. Is that cool? That's the plan tonight. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? Let me pray first, and then we'll jump into it. Dear Jesus, help. Amen. That's cool. Sorry, there's a clock there, and it's clicking really, really fast. And Brother Keith and Keith Jr. over there, they look like kind of like they're nice people, but I can tell they're the kind of like the smiling assassin type of people who will like kind of take me out from the side if I go over time. I kind of send Tim Tebow up there to kind of tackle me from the side, so I'm a little bit afraid. So I'm going to stick to time tonight. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, I've pondered that question often because in my work, I spend a lot of time talking to people about following Jesus because I believe that you will never make a greater decision in your life than to follow Jesus. 
Because Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. If you're looking for meaning, you're looking for purpose, go to Jesus, because he's the way. If you're looking for, like, um, the answers to life, the, the, the reason behind all things, go to Jesus, because he's the truth. If you're looking for life and life to the full, beyond the fun, beyond the party, but true joy, lasting life forever, go to Jesus, because he's the life. So because of that, I spend my life wandering around this blue rock that God made, talking to people about following him, because I think you'll never make a greater choice in your life. But that causes me to ask consistently and continually. I wonder what kind of, what kind of I wonder if the message I'm preaching is the same kind of message Jesus would preach regarding following him. And because I've been asking that question recently, I've been going to the Bible recently and looking specifically for different times where Jesus had an opportunity to talk to young people just like you about following him. And I've been studying these passages, making notes on these passages, and what's blowing my mind is how different the message was back in the day. In the light of the kind of messages that I propagate and preach, how starkly different Jesus's line of attack was. As I went through the Gospels and found every single sermon Jesus preached about following him, it blew me away to see that when Jesus had an opportunity to talk to young people just like you, he went down a very specific line. One of the most famous um, sermons Jesus ever preached regarding following him is found in the book of Mark, chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 8. Everyone say Mark. Say Mark like an Australian. Mark. Say Mark like an American. Mark. Say Mark like a Chinaman. Mark. Awesome. I taught you languages. Mark chapter 8 and verse 34 has Jesus talking to a group of people not unlike you about following him. Just right from the start, I want to let you know that wherever Jesus was, people were. Who is this radical rabbi? Who is this miracle worker? Wherever Jesus was, he drew a crowd. He, 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 was, he was something that, 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 someone that blew the minds of, of, of the average listener 2,000 years ago. There was a weight about him. There was a gravitas about him. There was an authority about him. And, and so wherever Jesus was, people were. And they were all asking the same question. Who is this cat? And what would it mean to be one of his followers? Many rabbis have come before with their teachings and, and, their, and their sales pitches. And they've tried to convince people to join them. But I want to know what this Jesus guy got to say about following him. What has Jesus got to offer us? So everywhere Jesus was, people were asking the same question. What would it mean to follow him? So this day was no different. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, the Bible says he's surrounded by a whole bunch of people. So in verse 34, it says, he calls the crowd to him along with the disciples and gets them to sit down. Or in other words, he says, yo, 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 a lot of people around here and a lot of people here from different places and different spaces. There are some people who have been brought up around church, have heard it all before, bought the t-shirt, shrunk in the wash and all that kind of stuff. And there are some people here who are new to this whole Jesus deal. You kind of heard about me. Maybe you were at that miracle the other week where I fed 5,000 people with a, with a fish subway. It's all good. It doesn't matter why you're here. I want to let you know loud and clear where to go from here. Okay, so everyone sit down. Crowd sit down. Disciples sit down. I'm going to give you all the same talk. This is what it's going to mean if you really want to become one of my followers. To actually be a part of a movement that causes a riot in a dead and dark world, literally bringing it back to life. You want to be one of my followers? Let's roll. If anyone would come after me, 
Or in other words, if you're gonna follow me, if you're really gonna pursue me through the fire, through the flood, through the flame, if anyone would come after me, he or she must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will find it. Woo, that's intense. Jesus clears his celestial throne and he spits and he says, if anyone is gonna become one of my followers, you're gonna deny yourself and you're gonna pick up your cross and follow me. And in case you think you can go into this deal half-hearted, you may as well not start this journey at all because it's all or nothing, son. Because if you want it all, you gotta surrender it all. It's all or nothing. Woo, that's intense. That's different than the kinds of messages I preach. I started off always the same way, trying to kind of start smooth, say some nice things about the pastors and the house and tell a few Asian jokes, get it, why are you talking so funny? And so I, that's the way, but Jesus did, Jesus went, he, he launched, he went all in straight up. Here's a little bit of a public speaking tip. When you're giving a, a, a speech, everyone's asking the same question right at the beginning. What, 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 what's in it for me? What am I gonna get? What am I gonna glean? What am I gonna gain? The way you don't start a talk is by saying, if anyone would come after me, he or she must deny themselves and follow me. Right away, blowing up that concept that this is gonna be about them. Jesus says, if you really wanna be one of his followers, it can't be about you. It has to be all about him. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's just that he's God and you're not. So right off the bat, he needs to let you know that yes, there is favor and yes, there is blessing and yes, there is provision and yes, there is more than enough and yes, there is fun and yes, there is fulfillment. But all of that is the fruit of surrender. Right from the start, Jesus launches into this beautiful tirade about if you really wanna be one of my followers, stop and think about it. You gotta deny yourself these natural proclivities towards self-centeredness, you must put them to the side for you must be consumed with me. Again, it's not because I don't love or value you, it's just that he's God and you're not. If you're gonna come after me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their own life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will find it. Or in other words, he's saying, and because I want to totally revolutionize your entire life so that you can totally revolutionize your entire world, come to me and lay it all at my feet. Don't bring me half because I want to transform you all. Don't bring me kind of the bits that you're proud of. No, bring it all, what's and everything. Because if you want to see total transformation, that has to begin with total surrender. It's all or nothing. The silence in this room right now would have mimicked the silence 2,000 years ago. As everyone would have begun to murmur to one another, who is this Jesus guy? I've been hearing stories about him. I've heard that you get free fish subway when you come along to his meetings. I heard about kind of blind people having their eyes opened again. I was just here for the show. 
who's this Jesus guy? I heard that he kind of interacted with Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and his little girl was brought back from death to life. I heard that this Jesus cat bumped up against that unfortunate woman who had the issue of blood for more than 12 years and healed her in an instant. I wanted to see my healing for myself. What's up with this Jesus guy? Why is he talking about this deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me? I could have imagined the silence in this room right now mimicking the silence from 2,000 years ago. I could imagine being one of Jesus' disciples going up to Jesus, yo, Jesus, just a little bit of feedback. Um, not trying to tell you how to preach because you're the son of God and all that kind of stuff, but Jesus. Check it out. Everyone be freaking out. See, before during the worship, everyone was like kind of like really emotional, kind of constipated and stuff. They're like, oh, and they're all into it, right? But you kind of like wrecked the mood now, Jesus, with this whole kind of deny yourself stuff. So how about this, Jesus? Why don't you start your talks with some like kind of some jokes, you know what I'm saying? Or, or get them chanting your name. Give me a J. You've got your J. Like do that kind of stuff. And then when they're chanting your name and they're all like into you, then hit them with this deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me stuff. Or, or maybe Jesus, check this one out. How about if you tell them all the positive parts of being a Christian? You know how like if, if we follow you, we get money and we get good looking and if like we're like a youth pastor who's a male, we get to marry hot girls and, and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever noticed that? How youth pastors in general are very ordinary looking guys with hot wives. And, and, and so... so Hey, Jesus, why don't you tell them all the positive aspects of following you, and when they're signed up, then we can give them the fine print then with all the deny yourself, pick up your cross, and all that kind of stuff. Jesus, why don't you do that? Because everyone be freaking out. But Jesus didn't, and I don't believe he would for a number of reasons. Number one, Jesus loves you. And when you love someone, you tell them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth up front. Love doesn't trick someone into a relationship. Love doesn't manipulate. You'll never find someone like Jesus because he is totally, madly in love with you because he doesn't love you in response to your loveliness. He loves you because it's who he is. He can't help himself. If you could cut Jesus, he would bleed love, for God is love. So his nature compelled him to be upfront with you from the beginning, stepping into the relationship. Yo. There's everything on the line, and there's everything in this universe that I want to give you, and I want to do that for you. But favor and blessing is the fruit of surrender, and if you really want to be one of my followers, if you want to step out of what you're doing into the life that I have for you, and if you really want to change the world, it can't be about you. It has to be about Him. It's not that I don't love you. It's just that He's God and you're not. He loves you. Not only does he love you, he's super truthful. Because when Jesus spoke the truth, he wasn't making a choice. He again was being who he is. See, every time we tell the truth, it's always a choice. We can tell the truth, we can embellish the truth, we can just straight up lie. It's always a choice. Jesus never had that choice. Because what? Jesus is the truth. So he couldn't false advertise even if he wanted to. He couldn't make this sound prettier than it really is because Jesus, by nature and definition, is the truth. He would make a horrible used car salesman. Not only was he the truth, Jesus is super smart. He's really smart. And Jesus understood that if he sold you something that he didn't intend on delivering on, 
the moment that you discover that the life that you kind of bought into wasn't really coming your way, then you throw it away. And because Jesus is more interested in you finishing this journey with him than just making an emotive decision on a Wednesday night to start this journey with him, right up front, Jesus like kind of blow your mind and say, yo, you want to follow me? We good, baby. We can do this. Don't worry. At the end of the day, when we kind of do a count, I'm the one who's done the heavy lifting. But if you really want to be one of my followers, baby, it's all or nothing. Because Jesus didn't want you to get to a point in your journey where you kind of went, wait a second, I wasn't told about this up front. That's the reason a lot of young adults start this, but kind of move away. Because a lot of this life doesn't kind of add up with some of the sales pitch that people like me gave you at the beginning. Jesus will never be guilty of that. Right up front he said, I'm going to give it to you all. I'm going to give you everything. But first, I need your all. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Don't go in half-hearted. Because if you try to save your own life, you'll lose it. But if you're wild enough and crazy enough to lay it all at my feet, I'll pick it up and use it. And you'll find everything. Woo! What are you clapping for? That's crazy talk. That ain't a great sales pitch. People would have shuffled awkwardly in their chairs. They would have whispered to each other, did he say pick up a cross? You've got to understand that when Jesus said pick up a cross and follow him, that had a very different connotation than the connotation it holds today. You see, 2,000 years ago when Jesus said pick up a cross, everyone got it right away. Because every kid growing up were told by their parents, yo, if you keep rolling with that crew or hanging with that crowd, you're going to end up being one of those criminals who are walking down that street on that Saturday afternoon carrying a cross up that hill. I guarantee you, in every single school or educational institution, they were let know very clear that the punishment for major crimes in that area was to pick up a cross and to go up a hill where you would be slaughtered on that cross. So when Jesus said, Following him would be like carrying a cross that took literally everyone's breath away. This dude crazy. Pick up a cross? They got that then. We don't really get that today because we don't carry much nowadays. Except for maybe like, you know, our uh, mobile phones or our handbags or man bags. I don't know whose that is, sir. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not here to judge. You know what I'm saying? You just, you just be you, man. And I'm... I'm not here to judge, I'm just here to love. That's in the Bible somewhere. So, whatever. So, we, we, have, a tr- we have a problem. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said following him would be like carrying a cross, and everybody got it. 2,000 years later, when he says following him would be like carrying a cross, it's hard for a lot of us to really understand what he was trying to say. So what I'm going to do in my last 12 minutes and 22 seconds with you is try to break that down just a little bit more. As if this message wasn't awkward or intense enough already, we're going to go even deeper. Is that cool? All right. So, so, so I'm going to spend my last few minutes with you breaking down what it really means to follow Jesus by using this illustration of carrying a cross. And the cross tonight will be this, this beautiful pulpit. Okay? So this will be our cross. We'll make some observations regarding what it's going to look like to be really one of Jesus' followers here around the arena out in JC, out in SP, 
wherever you are, okay, what it's really going to look like. Okay, point number one. Following Jesus is going to be uncomfortable. Everyone say uncomfortable. Can I say uncomfortable? Crosses were uncomfortable. Um, This is pressing up, up against my trapezius muscle, cutting off blood flow to my brain. I'm getting a little bit woozy right now, so this is uncomfortable. You've got to understand that, that the cross wasn't like a Swedish instrument of massage. It was a Roman tool of torture. And the problem is sometimes preachers and propagators of the gospel like me pitch a message that says that following Jesus is like basically stepping onto an eternal massage bed where forever, like Jesus is there, he's going to rub your back or you're feeling sore, oh, he'll, he'll rub you and help you just to feel better and kind of, oh, you had a bad day, oh, he'll bring like a hot cup of peppermint tea to you. Like we preach this message that says that, yo, 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 hey, Jesus fits all around you and, and your schedule. No, no, you got to understand that, that you fit around the cross, the cross didn't fit around you, because it wasn't a, it wasn't a Swedish instrument of mass. What are you clapping for? That's crazy talk. Are you clapping for an uncomfortable life? You got to understand that it's going to get uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to stand for Jesus when you're hanging out with your football team and all the other boys are talking, talking smack about kind of this girl and that girl and they're disrespecting females and it's gonna be uncomfortable for you to speak up and say, you know what, that's my sister there and you better not, it's uncomfortable. Come on, it's uncomfortable, girl. What are you clapping for? Because it's going to be uncomfortable, girls, when you're hanging out with your friends and they're all talking stuff about Britney. Oh, my goodness, did you see what Britney was wearing? She is such a this and that. She's such a this and that. And it's going to be uncomfortable when you say, you know what? I think that we should use our words for it. It's going to be uncomfortable. I remember when I first started following Jesus, I went to a church where on every Sunday night, they used to have testimony night. And every single testimony used to sound the same. It always used to be up. people used to live, up, live, live messed up lives, and then they found Jesus, and their lives became kind of all cool. Like I was like young and kind of raised on the street, stole my first car at five, I was a drug dealer at 10, I shot a man at 13, and then I found Jesus and he turned my life around and now I'm living with Jesus. Like how my life used to be uncomfortable, then I met Jesus and he made my life comfortable. I used to sit there as a young college student thinking to myself, my, my story isn't that. My life used to be comfortable. I was raised in a nice home. I went to a good college. I had lots of money. I drove a nice car. And then I met Jesus, and he's the one who messed everything up. Because now I don't want to live for me. I want to live for him. Now I don't just think about my own money. I think about investing my money in the kingdom of God. Now now I'm not thinking about my own career. Now I'm thinking about surrendering my life to live for his glory. Why are you standing up? This is terrible. It's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be inconvenient. Say inconvenient. If you play the tape, before I pick this thing up, I was moving around the stage with the style and the speed and the grace of Jackie Chan. But then I picked this thing up, and all of a sudden, all of my movements have been affected. Why? Because picking up a cross is going to affect every single one of your moves. Give it a go. Later on, sneak up onto this stage, pick up this pulpit and walk around. It's going to affect every single one of your moves. And I'm going to be up front with you. Following Jesus is going to mess with everything. It's going to mess with the way you do relationships. 
all of a sudden it isn't about what you can get from that girl or that dude. It's all about dishonoring Jesus with one of the greatest gifts that he has given humanity. And all of a sudden you see money and finances differently. All of a sudden you see your career path come on differently. All of a sudden you see your mom and your dad and the way that you love them and treat them and honor them come on differently. Up front with you, man, this is going to mess with your game big time. Because this carrying cross stuff is inconvenient. It gets worse. It's noticeable. Say noticeable. It's noticeable. Seriously, what's your name over here with the green bomber jacket? What's your name here? Zach, is it? You've got a, you've got a cool name. What, what color are your eyes, Zach? I thought they were brown because they were like shining at me from here. Like deep brown eyes, like a, like a deep brown ocean. Sounds kind of gross. You got a girlfriend, Zach? Hey, you know what I'm saying? And I, 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 can, I can imagine what happened there. Like Zach, Zach didn't even have to like work his like kind of Christian pickup line action. He didn't have to like kind of flash cash. He didn't have to. He just had to like kind of twinkle his big brown eyes. And... But I guarantee you, if you were trying to work your game and you were carrying this on your shoulder, she wouldn't be noticing your big brown eyes. She'd just be wondering why brother be hanging out with a pulpit on his shoulder. Why? <laughs> Because when you carry a cross, that's all people see. And if you think that you can roll with Jesus and have this like kind of undercover, you're sorely mistaken. How do you hide the light of this universe? Why are you clapping for? Because, for? because this cross was a big lump of wood that you walked around and everybody saw it. It wasn't a shiny diamond encrusted golden thing that you could shove into your shirt and do a button up depending on the context you were in. No, everyone would see it. Your friends are going to see it. The cool kids are going to see it. Girls, Brittany is going to see it. Everyone's going to see it. Gets worse. It's not cool. Say not cool. It's not a fashion accessory. You're not rolling to school carrying an old Roman cross and people going, oh my goodness, where'd you get that from? Like, that's amazing. I want to get that. No, it was a mark of shame. It was the deepest stain to carry a cross. And I want to be upfront with you. You really want to follow Jesus? There are some people who are going to look at you a little bit funny. There are going to be some kids who are higher on that picking order at your high school who might even cut you out of their loop. And in that moment, is it all right to cry? Yes. But is it all right to be surprised? No. Because Jesus said, yo, this ain't cool. This Jesus cross-carrying stuff wasn't a fashion accessory. And we need to hear that because right now in this room, carrying a cross and follow Jesus is cool. We can hang, hang around our friends and kind of like, I'm, all, I'm, I'm down for Jesus, I'm down for Jesus. You try to carry that same fire and that same bravery into the place where your friends hang out at lunchtime, come on, onto the football field, onto the basketball court. What, what, what do the girls do? Into your knitting club? I don't know what... I, I, Come on, up front, this might knock you down a couple of pegs. Third, fifthly and lastly, the worst one, this one's going to be forever. Everyone say forever. I, like, I love the way Americans say forever, because that's all I hear, forever. It's going to be forever. Everyone got that. See, 2,000 years ago, when someone carried a cross, they all went up a hill and they never came back. 
And when Jesus said, hey, pick up your cross and follow me, he was talking about, I don't want a Wednesday night fling. I want your every day and your everything. This is going to be forever. Why are you clapping? Because that, that, that flies in the face of current culture, which is so disposable. I'm all about this right now. It's so hot right now. Oh, my goodness. And then something else comes along. Oh, I'm all about this right now. It's so, no, it's like kind of you follow Jesus as a teenager when, when everything's weird and awkward. But when you like kind of become a young adult and things start settling down, you still follow Jesus as a young adult. Come on. You follow Jesus as a young adult, and, and like kind of when you're single, and you're kind of ready to mingle, and kind of you're hanging around, but you follow Jesus when you find Mr. Right, or Mrs. Right, Mr. Right, and Mrs. Whatever. When you find your life partner, come on, he wants, to, he wants you to follow him as a young married couple. He wants you to follow him, come on, as an old married couple. He wants, to, he wants you to follow him all the days of your life. Because he said this cross stuff is, come on, Forever. I told you this was the worst sales pitch in history. So Jesus is here. He's saying, you were destined to rule the night because I called you my light. I am the light of this world. And this light gets to declare that now you're the light of this world. And you're going to shine in dark places. You're going to show love in broken places. You are literally going to follow him to the ends of this city and to the ends of this earth and literally turn this world upside down, right side up. He said it. But if you really want to be one of these crazy followers of Jesus, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross and you've got to follow him. And we make no apologies. It's going to be uncomfortable. But fear not. For every ounce of discomfort that you feel, know that Jesus endured a ton of discomfort to save your life. Hey, this is going to be inconvenient. It's going to get all up in your space. And because we fit around the cross, the cross doesn't fit around us. It's going to be noticeable Everyone is going to see it. It's not going to be cool. Maybe during summer camp, maybe on riot night, cool. But for the rest of your life, kind of with the lights on and everyone looking around, this will bring heat your way. Why, why are they clapping? And it's forever. We hate that. We, we don't even want to have an iPhone for one year. They'll just, they'll just add a different number to the end and you'll think it's all different. They'll, even just, they'll take things away from the iPhone and you want to buy the new one. because. <laughs> so in a world that is so disposable, Jesus says, forever. <laughs> from a young man to your last breath. And you still want to follow him? Well, you might just change the world. And in case you think that I'm overemphasizing this point, you're going to understand that time and time again, Jesus preached this exact message. There was a time in the Bible where he talked about following him would be like 
you know, foxes have got holes and birds have got nests. The Son of Man hasn't even got a place to lay his head. If you think that following me is like the on-road or the on-ramp onto Easy Street, you're in for a big surprise. He said one time, if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your mother and hate your father and hate your brother and sister. He wasn't telling you to disrespect your family. He was just trying to show you how intense your love has to be for him by using an illustration of your most natural connections here on earth. There was a time in John chapter 6 where Jesus said, if you want to follow him, you've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And that was before Twilight made it cool. <laughs> and people started walking away. But Jesus let them go. The disciples came to him, yo, Jesus, we did a great job gathering the crowd, but we're finishing this night with not as many followers as we thought we were going to have. And Jesus said, that's all good, baby. I had to make it clear. If they really want to follow me, they have to deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. So this is how we end the night. I'm going to ask the question, is there someone here tonight who knows that right now, they don't have that kind of, just right from the start, that kind of relationship with Jesus? Right now, you see him as a faraway God or someone that your mom and dad talk about, but tonight you've heard about a Jesus who loves you and a Jesus who cares for you, a Jesus who actually laid his life down for you. If that's you here tonight, I want to give you a chance in the most awkward altar call you'll ever experience to say yes to Jesus. As well as that, I want to ask someone here tonight, are you somebody who knows that You've been around church for a while, you've sung the songs, you've played the games, you've been to the talks and, and, and kind of attended the camps, but right now you know, come on, let's be real right now, that you're not one of those crazy, wild, radical, cross-carrying followers of Jesus. And if that's you here tonight, I just want to do one thing. I would like to give you an opportunity to stand to your feet, to walk down the front and to pray with me. Wait, what are you going for? Will you sit down again? Sit, boy... You sit down. What's your name? Caleb. You're a cool-looking dude. You play sport? What kind of sport do you play? Baseball. Changes everything, you know that? Base, baseball's an interesting culture, man. Very macho kind of culture. They have this ability to put, like, kind of, you know, sunflower seeds up in their mouth and kind of, like, magically get the sunflower seed out of the seed, and then they spit the seed out. It's amazing stuff to watch. But you've got to understand, if you really want to follow Jesus, all your baseball friends are going to see this. The football boys are going to see this. Everyone's going to hear about it. You're that Caleb guy. He goes hard at sport. He excels in academics. And that crazy cat gives all glory to God. You know that people are going to be saying that kind of stuff about you. Do you know that? And you're still prepared to pick up your cross and go after Jesus? You crazy kid. But you might just change the world. So with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around with no band in the background, I told you this was going to get awkward. I love the other altar calls too, but I got to be honest with you. Sometimes they feel a little bit disconnected from reality because I know for me, every time I have to make a hard decision... Eyes are open and heads are raised and everyone's looking around. I wish, I wish 
every time I had to make a hard decision, you know what I'm saying? Like, like on, on Monday, I'm going to be in LA, and I'm going to go to In-N-Out Burger, because I got my boy with me from Australia. I promised we'd go to In-N-Out. And I wish that I was there at the counter, trying to make a decision between like a double-double or a triple-triple. I'm kind of going, oh, I don't know, should I have a protein like animal? I wish that when I had that hard decision to make, I wish that the, the girl behind or the guy behind the counter did this. And I wish someone behind me like kind of popped up with a keyboard. I wish. But life ain't like that. Come on, we live life with our eyes open and our heads raised and everyone looking around. And if you can't make a crazy decision to be a radical Jesus follower with every eye open and every head raised in this room right now, you got no chance to rule the night. But if you'd be crazy enough to get up to your feet and say, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter who turns their back on me. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable. It doesn't matter how inconvenient. It doesn't matter how noticeable. I hope this is noticeable. If you would get up and still follow Jesus. You might just change the world. Sit down. What are you standing up for, crazy kids? So right here, right now, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around, if you know right now you're not one of those crazy cross-carrying Jesus followers, if that's you, stand to your feet and walk down the front right now. When your marks get set, go, go, come, 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 come. Wow. Whoa. Did you guys pay attention? Pastor Keith, wherever you are, I did my absolute best for like 37 and a half minutes to talk them out of this. But you got some radicals here at Celebration, man. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Two prayers going up right now. If right now, with the keyboard playing in the background now, playing beautiful Jesus music that makes us all feel emotional and responsive. If you're up the front here right now and you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, I would love to lead you in a prayer. It's not about you, it's all about Him. It's not about how good you are, it's how good He is. It's not about your sacrifice, it's about His. It's not about your righteousness, it's about His righteousness. And if you're standing up the front right now, or maybe even sitting in a seat right now, and you question, or you absolutely just know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would like to lead you in a 10-second prayer that changes that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that you just need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He died for you. He rose again. He lives today. He's inviting you home. And if that's you right now, standing up the front or maybe even sitting, right, sitting down in the chair, if that's you and you know that you need to pray this prayer and get your life right with Jesus, when I count to three, lift your hand high in the sky. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Lift your hand high in the sky. Here we go. Pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I trust my life into your hands. 
I want to thank you for your love and for your grace. Help me now, by your spirit, live for your glory. Amen. Can you put your hands together for all these young people who lifted theirs? Wow. And Lord Jesus, right now, for these young men and women who have responded tonight, who have said they pick up their cross to follow you, I thank you, God, that this altar call isn't the finalizing of something. It's just the starting gun of something even bigger and better. And I speak over their lives, boldness and clarity. Boldness as they proclaim your gospel, clarity as they step into areas that you have called them into. And I thank you, God, that you have emboldened them by your spirit to bring them this far. I pray that your Holy Spirit, come on, would continue to lead them forward. And I just speak this over the young people of Celebration Church, not only here in Jacksonville, but in Orlando, in Fort Lauderdale, in Northern Ireland, in Zimbabwe, wherever Celebration would go, that they would be marked by young radicals who sing about following Jesus on Wednesday night, but live it out come Thursday morning. I speak that over this youth movement. And I thank you, God, that you're gonna do something that's never been seen before here in the state of Florida and beyond, in this church and through this church, as wild young people pick up their cross and follow you. Do this for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, how about you just praise him in this room just a little bit right now. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Everyone here in this room, stand to your feet. Pastor Keith is going to come and wrap this all up and make some final comments far better than I ever could. But I charge you. Your greatest days lie ahead of you. Come on. And there are more campuses that will be open. There is more darkness to push back. There are literally thousands and thousands of people who are going to come into the kingdom. I believe it. Songs are going to be written out of this movement. Resources will be released that are going to impact youth ministries around the world. Conferences that will be run that people from around the world will come to. But just make sure that Jesus is always the center point. As high as you fly, as far as you go, make sure Jesus is always the center point. May he be like the campfire around which you to like kind of return to warm yourselves. And by the grace of God, may many thousands of people in the state of Florida find space around that campfire as well.